कृष्ण प्रेष्ठाय भूतले श्रीमते भक्ति वेदांत स्वामी नामिने नमस्ते सारस्वते देवे गौरवाणी प्रचारिणे निर्विशेषा शून्यवादी पाश्चातारिणे जय श्री कृष्ण चैतन्य प्रभो निनंदीअद्वैत गदाधरा श्रीवासादी गौरभक्तवृंद नमो महावदान्या कृष्ण प्रेम प्रदाय कृष्ण चैतन्य नमे गौरत्षे नम नमो ब्रह्मण्य देवाय गोभ्रमणहिताय जगदिताय कृष्णा गोविंदय नमो In the previous sessions, 
in the last uh, say about uh, six months, I think close to six months, we have been discussing Bhagavad Gita. Uh, and uh, not six months, I think a uh, little less than six months. But it's very important that to have a quick recap of what we have already discussed in chapter one and chapter two. So, chapter one, it's also called as Vishada Yoga, Arjuna Vishada Yoga. And we understood in chapter one that how Arjuna. He was confused about his duties and he, he developed an intention to not fight and he gave very logical reasoning as to why he doesn't want to fight. And in chapter 2, he asked further questions and then finally he surrenders to Krishna in uh, verse number 7. And he wants to know more about uh, what he has to do as a Kshatriya. And then very beautifully, chapter 2, uh, which is called as Samkhi Yoga, Krishna explains different concepts. In fact, Prabhupada gives the title to this chapter as the contents of the Gita summarized. That means all that we need to cover in Bhagavad Gita is all condensed in this chapter 2. And if Arjuna had understood chapter 2, then there was no need for Krishna to speak the rest of the chapters. It would, it would just be over by this uh, end of chapter 2. But then, that is not the case. And why it is, we will understand today, why Arjuna is still not satisfied and he wants to know more about uh, his duty. So that is what Krishna is going to clarify further. Uh, going forward from chapter 3. That's why we are here in chapter 3 today. So, we have understood in the previous uh, chapter, in the last section, what are the qualities of Sthita Prajna. Krishna has explained about Sangha Yoga, about Jnana Yoga, about uh, Buddhi Yoga, all these different things. Karma Yoga, Karma Kanda, and the most important uh, section of chapter 2 was knowing our true identity. The true nature of the self, the qualities of the soul. So that is the most important thing. In fact, Prabhupada is going to hammer this point again and again and again in the rest of the Bhagavad Gita that we are not the body, we are the soul. We are not the body, we are the soul. You know, this has to get uh, deep within our consciousness that we are not this body, we are the spirit soul. It's extremely important point because everything, all the different concepts that we discuss, the basis for that is to know and understand that we are not this body, we are the spirit soul. <clears throat> okay, so here, like I told you earlier, uh, that how karma and karma yoga has always fascinated people. Many people are attracted towards knowing what is karma and especially when it comes to action and reaction, there are so many mysteries around karma yoga, right? So people are also very uh, fond of uh, understanding the mysteries of life. So especially karma because uh, it all deals with their own actions. So uh, one reason why people are attracted towards karma is because Every day we perform action. 
and we want to know what will be the reactions of our axis, right? So Newton's third law states that uh, for every action there is an equal and opposite reaction. So this principle was very well uh, uh, given by our scriptures that is nothing but law of karma. And in this chapter, while we are discussing this chapter, um, we will also discuss some specific points related to karma. Like if you perform a certain action, what kind of reactions that we are going to get for those particular actions. So these are also certain tidbits uh, which uh, we will share during this uh, discussion of this particular chapter. Okay. So now let's begin with uh, the overview of uh, what is this chapter 3 all about. And I completely dedicate this uh, session to His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhakti Vedanta Swami Srila Prabhupada, who is my beloved spiritual master and also the founder Acharya of the International Society for Krishna Consciousness. So, the overview or the breakdown of chapter 3 is like this. So, there are about 5 sections uh, in chapter 3. And totally, there are about 43 verses in chapter 3. Now chapter 2 was one of the longest chapter in the Bhagavad Gita. Chapter 2 is the second longest chapter. It has 72 shlokas. And the longest chapter in the Bhagavad Gita is uh, chapter 18 which has 78 shlokas. So chapter 3 is uh, having 43 shlokas and it's also quite big uh, uh, chapter and it's very important that we understand this chapter in detail. Alright, so here the very first section of chapter 3 is the first two shlokas 3.1 and 3.2 wherein Arjuna is going to ask further questions to Krishna and he is asking about renunciation or work Whether should, should I work or should I renounce everything that is his question and in section 2 that is from 3.33 to 3.9 that is Nishkama Karma Yoga we often hear people talking about Nishkama Karma you know these kind of things we hear so we will understand what is Nishkama Karma and in section 3 that is 3.10 to 3.16 that is where we understand how we have to move from Karma Kanda to Karma Yoga. We have already understood briefly what is Karma Kanda and what is Karma Yoga. So how do we move from Karma Kanda to Karma Yoga is this section and section number 4 that is 3.17 to 3.35 we are going to discuss Nishkama Karma to set correct example, it's important that how to perform this Nishkama Karma so that people will follow us because Krishna is going to explain that yad yad archariti sector. Normal people, common man, follows the actions of a great person. So, how do we perform Nishkama Karma Yoga? And then in section 5, that is the last section, that is 3.36 to 3.43, Krishna is going to warn Arjuna about lust and anger. 
and why is he going to do that we will understand as we discuss this chapter okay so let's begin with the very first shloka of chapter 3 that is 3.1 and i request uh, uh, achutan ji to unmute yourself and uh, please chant this shloka along with me that will be really nice so verse number 1 of chapter 3 karma yoga अर्जुन उवाच अर्जुन उवाच जायसी चेत कर्मणस्ते जायसी चेत कर्मणस्ते मता बुद्धिर्जनार्दना मता बुद्धिर्जनार्दना तत्किम कर्मणि घोरे माम तत्किम कर्मणि घोरे जयसी केशव अर्जुन उवाच अर्जुन उवाच जायसी चेत कर्मणस्ते जायसी चेत कर्मणस्ते मता बुद्धिर्जनार्दना मता बुद्धिर्जनार्दना तत्किम कर्मणि घोरे कर्मणि कर्मणि Why do you urge me to engage in this ghastly warfare? To engage in this ghastly warfare. If you think, if you think that intelligence is better than brute work, intelligence is better than brute work. Wonderful. Thank you. Great. Great. So here, this is a very very valid question. from arjuna so you see the journey of arjuna has been quite uh, bewildering in the last uh, first and second chapter so arjuna when he saw the whole army in front of him and he saw his uh, relatives uh, in the opposite uh, party he got bewildered and out of compassion and all those reasons we Uh, I have already understood. He didn't want to fight. His intention was to somehow avoid this war, right? And in order to not fight, he started giving explanations produced from his fertile mind. So his mind gave and dictated him certain things, and due to which those arguments. he wanted to avoid the fight then he thought oh ho it's okay i mean my mind may say certain thing but better that i understand from krishna who is my friend and that is how he surrenders to krishna and he wants to understand from krishna what he has to do now after listening to krishna's uh, description of the soul and karma kanda karma yoga gyan yoga Arjuna was thinking that okay my confusion will be over but that is not the case and that's why he asked this question 
Now Arjuna is confused. Now what is the confusion is his intention is that he wants to avoid fighting. He has an idea of non-violence and he doesn't want to fight. But when he listens to Krishna, now Krishna is telling him two things. You perform karma yoga and then he is also telling that you be very peaceful and you acquire jnana yoga. By acquiring jnana yoga, you will become free from all the bondage. So now Arjuna is thinking, if Krishna, he thinks that jnana yoga is better than karma, then why is he engaging me in this warfare? Why not I just renounce everything and go to the forest and acquire knowledge, right? So there are certain contradictory statements Arjuna thinks, although it is not contradictory, but Arjuna thinks that there is some confusion arising. Why the confusion is because you see in chapter 2 verse number 39, Krishna says, Buddhya yukto yayapartha karma bandham prahasyasi. So, if anybody works with intelligence, he will become free from karma. If anybody acquires jnana, then he will become free from the bondage of karma. So now Arjuna is thinking, if Krishna is telling this, why is he engaging me in action? Why not I just go and acquire a lot of knowledge? Isn't so? It's so wonderful actually. Just go acquire knowledge and then uh, why to avoid, uh, why to fight? Why do I have to do all this karma? This is one statement. And another thing, another statement why Arjuna uh, doesn't want to fight is he's saying that Krishna, it is not me or my mind, but it is you who told in verse number 49. You only told me that Durena Avaram Karma. Avaram Karma means abominable karma. And this warfare, how can this be a very good karma? Where the outcome of this whole war is so ghastly. People are going to die. Relatives are going to die. And so many anarthas will come up in this whole world. So why are you asking me to perform this Durena Avaram Karma? This Avaram Karma is not good, you only told, but now again you are encouraging me to fight. Why? You see? <laughs> and not just that, in the verse number 70 of chapter 2, Krishna said that Apuryamanam Achala Pratishtam Samutramapa Pravishanti Yatvat Tatvat Kamayam Pravishanti Sarve Sashantim Apnotina Kama Kami. You may get a lot of desires, but one who has control over desire, one who doesn't fulfill his materialistic desires, Sashantim, Apnotina Kama Kami, that person is very peaceful. So we are supposed to become peaceful, isn't it? We should all be peace lovers. So Krishna, you are telling us to remain peaceful, but then you are also asking me to fight. In 71 also he is saying the same thing. He said that Nirmamo Nirahankara Sashantim Adigachati. So Krishna is again talking about Shanti. And the one who is devoid of the sense of proprietorship, he is the one who is going to be very, very peaceful. But now, when we fight this war, 
we will have the sense of proprietorship because oh this kingdom is going to belong to me all these people are going to belong to me so that sense of proprietorship will come and i will not be very peaceful right so now with all this instructions we see that arjuna is having further conflict in his mind rather than thinking that oh i'll become free from what krishna has spoken there is further doubt in arjuna's mind and this is what happens to most of us most people in order to fulfill their deep intentions which are lingering in their mind they take the support of shastras and that is exactly what arjuna is doing he doesn't want to fight he really doesn't want to fight but in order to justify his intention he is taking the support of krishna's statement and he is saying to krishna you only told that not to fight but now you are asking me to fight so this is what people do that they take certain statements from the shastras and conveniently they fit it in such a way that they fulfill their desire it really doesn't dis- disturb their desire so that is not what krishna wants us to do it's not that i have a certain materialistic desire and to fulfill and uh, uh, act according to my own desire i will take the support of the shastras and that is really very nice so that when i take the support of shastras then i will not be under the bondage of karma we think so but that is not true so krishna is going to really cut off all these doubts of arjuna going forward so this is what krishna uh, arjuna is asking here it's because he has this conflicting uh, uh, statements from uh, krishna krishna is saying oh to perform karma and once he is saying that no no it's better than karma it's gnana uh, yoga then if gnana yoga is better than karma then i can better just go and acquire gnana why do i have to perform this action this karma or fighting so prabhupada in the forward is very beautifully saying that in other words arjuna he wanted to skillfully avoid the fighting by using krishna consciousness as an excuse so many times we take uh, this scriptural knowledge and give an excuse to not perform our duty and this kind of lame excuses will not help us to progress in spiritual life we become stagnant if uh, we think that by reading bhagavad gita i will just fulfill my own desires then you will remain stagnant we need to come out of the comfort zone we if we continue to be in our own comfort zone then there is no possibility for us to apply this knowledge of bhagavad gita absolutely no and we will not get realizations and without realization how will we practice spiritual life because spiritual life is all about realization realization comes only when there is action but action with knowledge we should understand one thing very clearly knowledge and karma action they are not mutually exclusive things both gnana and karma are not mutually exclusive many people think that oh let me follow only gnana and some people say no 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 i let me follow only karma so no that is not going to help if you want to have a lot of harvest a good harvest you should have a gnana 
of what kind of seed to be used, what kind of soil you need to have, how much water to pour, and what kind of pesticides and all those things, manure you need to put. This jnana is extremely important. But if you simply have the jnana and you really don't perform the action of sowing the seed and tilling the field, then you're not going to get the harvest. So jnana is important and karma is also important. And when they are together, with Krishna in the center, that is what is called as Bhakti Yoga. So simply Jnana and Karma is not going to help all of us. So we need both. So now that is why this is the confusion that Arjuna has. That he is thinking that Jnana is separate, Karma is separate. So let me just follow Jnana and avoid this Karma of fighting. So this is going to be clarified by Krishna. Okay, so let's see what Krishna is going to further say in the next words. Yes, uh, Kumar Charan, can you unmute yourself and repeat this shloka? All right, Chaitanya, you can unmute yourself and uh, let's okay. right. so, share the second words. Vyamishre neva vakyena Buddhim mohaya seva me Buddhim mohaya seva me Tadekam vada nishchitya Tadekam vada nishchitya Yena shreyo ham apnuyam Yena shreyo ham apnuyam Once again Vyamishreneva Vakyena Vyamishreneva Vakyena Buddhim Mohaya Siva Me Buddhim Mohaya Siva Me Tadekam Vada Nishchitya Tadekam Vada Nishchitya Yena Shreyo Ham Apnuyam Yena Shreyo Ham Apnuyam Please repeat the translation my intelligence is bewildered. My intelligence is bewildered. By your equivocal instructions. By equi uh, I cannot see the screen map. Okay. I was not able to see the screen. By your equivocal instructions. By your equivocal instructions. Therefore. Therefore. Please tell me decisively. Please tell me decisively what is most beneficial for me. What is most beneficial for me? Thank you. Thank you. All right. So this is uh, where Arjuna is saying, "Vya mishra neva Mishra. Mishra means mixed words. Vakhena. So equivocal words. Oh Krishna." With this equivocal word of yours, your instruction in the previous chapter, now my intelligence is bewildered. I'm confused whether to do karma or whether to perform jnana. What am I supposed to do? So that is why I think tad ekam vadanishchitya. So nishchitya, you please tell me one thing clearly. You don't confuse me like this. Please tell me one thing which is very very uh, simple to follow and. I can understand it better. 
सो ही इज टेलिंग निश्चित यू टेल मी वन थिंग विच इज एन श्रेयो हम आपूयाम विच इज श्रेय फॉर मी विच इज मोस्ट बेनिफिशियल फॉर मी श्रेय सो This is exactly what happens to us many times when we read Bhagavad Gita. Uh, we see there are some statements uh, which are which appear to be contradictory, but they are not. And because of this uh, contradiction within our mind, we get confused. And that is exactly what is happening to Arjuna. Now, uh, in no way Krishna uh, wants to do some word jugglery. and confuse arjuna that is not his intention but the way arjuna understood krishna's instructions that is where the problem is and this is exactly what happens to us and we should know in reality arjuna is just playing a role of all of us he is asking these questions on behalf of us he is a great devotee he is a great soul Arjuna is the greatest devotee he is a dear friend of Krishna but this whole setup of Bhagavad Gita is for us so Arjuna is actually playing a role of all of us and on behalf of us he is asking this question to Krishna so that we don't become confused so it is not that Arjuna is confused it is we are who can who are confused and for our benefit he is asking this question okay so this is very interesting and uh, that is what uh, from this uh, particular shloka it will lead to many more questions that krishna arjuna will ask in the bhagavad gita i think there are about uh, approximately 13 questions that arjuna has asked in the whole of bhagavad gita and uh, all his questions very beautifully are explained by krishna in all the chapters so when he had the first five questions in chapter 1 and chapter 2 uh krishna clarified all those answers in chapter 2 itself but that led to further questions and this is very important as spiritual seekers it is not that we hear once and we understand everything whenever there is a doubt whenever there is something that is conflicting in our mind it is important that we immediately clarify with our spiritual guides or our spiritual master it's extremely important and that is how we build our spiritual intelligence and we start progressing in spiritual life so this is exactly what arjuna is doing he has already surrendered and now he wants to further get clarifications from krishna so here uh, many people who take a bhagavad gita and just imagine if they open the bhagavad gita and they just open the third chapter of bhagavad gita they just read karma yoga because many people these days since they are interested in karma and they know that yes bhagavad gita also speaks about karma so they know that oh chapter 3 they will google and they find out that chapter 3 is all about karma yoga so they will just read karma yoga and when they read karma yoga alone they may come to a conclusion that oh so wonderful karma performing karma and karma yoga is the top most karma is an amazing thing so we should just follow karma yoga so many people may just get uh, an understanding that karma is all in all karma yoga is all in all but this is not what krishna is giving in the bhagavad gita this knowledge of the bhagavad gita is not a linear progression 
इट इज नॉट प्रोग्रेसिंग लीनियरली भगवत गीता इज अ स्पाइरल प्रोग्रेशन इट इज मूविंग राउंड एंड राउंड एंड एट द सेम टाइम इट इज मूविंग फॉरवर्ड दैट इज हाउ कृष्णा इज टेकिंग दिस डिस्कशन फॉरवर्ड इन द भगवत गीता सो इट्स नॉट दैट आई जस्ट लिसन टू कर्म योगा एंड आई अंडरस्टैंड एवरीथिंग नो आफ्टर कर्मा देर आर मेनी मोर थिंग्स दैट आर गोइंग टू कम एंड दिस इज वॉट वी कॉल इन द भगवत गीता एज द योगा लैडर If you are able to see the screen, that will be really very nice. So now, Krishna, in the further chapters, he is going to explain this yoga ladder. But since today we are starting this chapter on yoga, karma yoga, it's important that we have a quick overview of this whole yoga ladder. It's extremely important. You see, when Prabhupada explains or translates Buddhi yoga or karma yoga. action in this consciousness he mentions that it is bhakti yoga it is action in devotion he says that it is actually krishna consciousness whether it is karma yoga gyana yoga ashtanga yoga prabhupad translates that as krishna consciousness or bhakti yoga and this is because it is his compassion because this imagine if somebody takes only the third chapter and he read only third chapter he will miss out the real essence of the bhagavad gita so prabhupad out of his compassion this is the speciality of prabhupad's presentation also that only in bhagavad gita as it is you will see that no matter which chapter you take you will see the connection with the ultimate essence of the bhagavad gita and the ultimate essence of the bhagavad gita is actually bhakti so when you take and read prabhupad's bhagavad gita you will see that constantly prabhupad is stressing on this very important point he is constantly saying that you need to focus on karma yoga dhyana yoga ashtanga yoga but in relationship with bhakti yoga so this is extremely important because people many times they misunderstand and they take only portions of the bhagavad gita and they miss out the essence of the bhagavad gita and that shouldn't happen right so now this is extremely important to know about the yoga ladder so like we know this bhagavad gita is actually called the yoga shastra every chapter is also called as a certain yoga and what is yoga yoga means to connect yoga means to link another meaning of yoga is also solution another meaning of yoga is also solution so krishna is giving solutions to different problems of life in each chapter of the bhagavad gita so now in this yoga ladder there are seven rungs there are seven steps you can say and we need to understand this yoga ladder and ingrain in our brain in our mind in our consciousness so that we understand this whole process of yoga very nicely which is explained in the bhagavad gita so what is this yoga ladder so the third rung from the bottom that let us take it as karma kanda as shown in the screen you will see the third rung of this ladder yoga ladder is karma kanda let us understand what is karma kanda see in the vedic times 
people they used to at least follow karma kanda section of the vedas what do we mean people who follow karma kanda they accept some authority they accept that there is somebody superior to them it can be krishna if not krishna they will at least accept the devatas as an authority they will go to ganesha they will go to durga they will go to shiva they will go to uh, uh, kartikeya so there are different devatas and they will go and accept at least someone as an authority so karma kanda means what people who have desires all of us have desires but people who follow this karma kanda they want to fulfill their materialistic desires but within the purview of the vedas they will follow the instructions of the vedas and then as per the instructions of the vedas they will perform their karma for example somebody wants to have a very beautiful wife then there is a section that you have to go and worship uh, shiva and shiva will bestow a very good wife similarly somebody wants a very good husband then they will go and worship uh, uma who is the wife of shiva and then uh, for uh, somebody doesn't have children then they will have to perform putra kamesh yagna just like dashrath maharaj performed and lord rama was born so there are lot of such sections in the vedas which explain that okay you have a certain desire no problem you fulfill your desire but to fulfill that as per the vedic injunction so this kind of fulfilling desires fulfillment of desires is actually called karma kanda and this is valid i mean uh, although you are having the reaction for all the actions that you are going to perform it is not that you will become free from the reaction by karma kanda you perform good actions you will get good reactions to that so karma kanda doesn't mean that you are becoming free from bondage but it is definitely good karma it helps you to perform good karma not become free from reaction so now okay so this is karma kanda that we are uh, performing all good activities as per the vedas then what is the rang below that what can it be and that rang below karma kanda is animal life so this is very important now what do we mean by animal life mahabharata says dharmena heena pashubhi samana which means that if you take out dharma from the human society then the human society is no better than animals what differentiates human beings from animals is dharma the injunctions of the veda the knowledge of the scriptures this is what makes us different from the animal if we minus dharma from the human society then humans are as good as dwipada pashu animals on two legs animals generally they run on four legs but we human beings we are running on two legs but we are animals as good as animals why are we as good as animals because 
What do animals do? Animals are quite busy in doing only four things. What are those? Ahara, Nidra, Bhaya, Maituna. Eating, sleeping, mating and depending. You see, animals are constantly taking care of these four basic instincts. What is the very first instinct? Eating. You see, there is uh, this dog on the street which is eating the pig or the rat or anything that you take. Everybody, the moment they wake up in the morning, the first thing they do is they go and look out for food. Where is food? Where is food? Where is food? Now, you see, look at the pig. It is actually eating all the stool in the gutter. But it is so nicely enjoying it. If you go and take nice halwa and give it to the pig, the pig will not like it. Hey, say, don't give me this. You know, the pig will not like it. You, you may have a nice pizza in the pizza hut or Domino's, but the same thing is not liked by the pig because it's a relative word. You may think it is dirty, but for the pig it is very nice. So it is eating all the stew. You see? So let's understand. So eating is one thing which is common between animal and humans. The second thing is sleeping. Now the pig or any other animal, the dog may sleep on the street. We may sleep uh, in a very nice air-conditioned room. But although we have air-conditioned rooms, we don't get sleep, unfortunately. So sleeping is common. Then mating. You see, the dog on the street is also producing children. We are also producing children. So now that dog may actually do that act in a, on a street. We may do it in a closed room, but still the action is the same. The pleasure obtained by a dog by performing the sexual act on the street is the same as human beings getting the pleasure in a closed room. The pleasure is the same, only the conditions are different. You see? And then depending. When you see there is a dog, another dog coming into another dog's territory, this dog will bark and try to shoo away the other dog. It will, it will bark and say, go away from my place. This is my territory. It belongs to me. Get lost from this. The same thing we are doing. You know, recently the Pakistan attacked us and then we are defending. Hey, this is our boundary. You don't come. We are going to defend. This is our territory. Don't come into Kashmir. You see, we are also defending. So if we are just busy doing only these four things, eating, sleeping, mating and defending, how are we good than animals? So this is animal life and animal life, people think that I don't have to accept any authority. I don't need anybody about me. Because anyway, if I am only concerned with eating, sleeping and mating and defending, science and technology is giving me all of these things. So let me just follow science and technology. Why do I follow all these things? Why should I accept God? I don't need God in my life. You see, this is animal life. Because animals, they don't accept any authority. They are just busy doing this four activity. So are we just supposed to do these four things and nothing else? Absolutely no, because human beings are bestowed with spiritual intelligence. Right? So this is animal life. Uh, okay, by the way, am I audible to you? Because I get some noise. Uh, I just want to confirm. 
what we are supposed to eat and we have been taught something that we are not supposed to do. In our schools and colleges we have learned that we are omnivores. Which is not true. Like Mataji and some of you said, we are supposed to eat only sattvic food. We are just supposed to eat plant-based food. And all the wonderful sattvic food mentioned in the 17th chapter that Krishna is going to explain. Like food grains, like milk products, fruits. All these come into the category of sattvic food. So, that is the prescribed food for human beings. Right? But there are people who don't follow this. They will just eat whatever comes onto their plate and their whole idea is somehow the other, hook or crook, fill your belly and satisfy your hunger. That is their idea. You see, a sheep will not eat meat. It will not eat anything other than leaves. A tiger will not come and eat your fruits or it will not come and eat your nice pizza. No. The tiger is always wanting to eat nice meat. It will not eat all the vegetables and grass. Because they are very very set in their thinking. They follow their nature. They know that this is the prescribed food for me and they will not encroach on our food. But we human beings, we have no idea as to what we are supposed to eat and we keep on eating whatever we want. And that is the reason why we are lower than animals now. Some of them, not everyone. Most people today are becoming lower than animals because they don't even know what is their own nature. So that is eating. What about sleeping? You see, there are these beautiful birds in the morning, the sun rises. Right and the Arunodaya that happens, then there is that uh, roaster which makes the noise and then there are birds which will start chirping and there is so much of life that is coming onto right when there is dawn and there is so much of activity because they know that this is the time that we need to do a lot of activity, they follow the nature and right when the sun is setting, each one of them they will just go and nicely take rest. By 7, 7.30 you will see all the birds, they go back to the nest and they are resting. But for unfortunately for most people, human beings, that is the waking time. Just when the sun is setting, people start becoming very active and they start going to offices. And this is we, uh, what we see uh, in the modern corporate culture. Night duties and night shifts and all these things. So we are completely unregulated, totally unregulated. And it is disturbing our mindset, it is disturbing our whole mind-body ecosystem and it is uh, creating so much of disease within us. You see? Why? Because there is no regulation. So, eating is screwed up, sleeping is screwed up, mating. So, most animals, they have a particular season and only during the season they mate and they produce children. And for most of the animals, they mate because they want to procreate. But we human beings, we do it any time of the year. There is no set season. And it's not just for procreation, but it is for just sense pleasure. So all these things are not good. Today, we, that's why we see in human society, there are pre-marital things, there are extramarital relationships, and so many nuisances. 
uh, with this LGBT thing coming up and people supporting it. All is happening in the name of independence and freedom, but they don't know by doing all these acts, actual freedom is taken away. They are getting more and more bonded by the karmic reactions. So that is not freedom. By performing all these illicit things, illicit activities, they are becoming more and more entangled by the reactions. You see? So it is not freedom. And why this is happening? Because lack of knowledge. So again, mating is all screwed up. Then comes the defending system. In fact, many animals, they don't need any weapons. They just defend by their own natural weapons like nails and other things. Of course, now we are developed and we are developing a lot of defense systems. So in one way we can say that we are better than animals in defense. But ultimately the propensity is the same. Defending for what reason? We are supposed to defend dharma. But today people are defending adharma. So that is not a good thing. So many people use their intelligence to defend all adharmic things. There are so many people who protest. They go on the streets to defend something which is irreligious. Right? So that is not what we should use the defending propensity for. So all these four things when we screw up, we become lower than animals. Our consciousness is now degraded lesser than animals. You see? So these are the bottom three rungs of the yoga ladder. So if all these things are there, then what is about this karma kanda? Ah, so this is something good that we need to discuss. So now going forward, let's understand what are the better things in this yoga ladder. So above karma kanda is actually the karma yoga. Now what is the difference between karma kanda and karma yoga? Karma kanda is regulated life and there is no freedom from reaction of our action. But in karma yoga, you are performing actions, but that action is actually making you free from the bondage, existing bondage. No further entanglement. Oh, no, this is extremely important. Because this is intelligence to perform action which is not going to bind you. So amazing thing it is. Right? Just like a spider. You have seen the spider. When the spider it performs a karma of building the web. You know it creates and builds the whole web and when it wants to unwind it will actually take the whole web into its mouth again back. There is no reaction for it. Again, it's just a, uh, not a very uh, appropriate example, but to just drive away the point, I'm trying to say that how by performing Karma Yoga, you will not be entangled by the action. So this is different from Karma Kanda. And Karma Yoga, also you are following the Vedic injunction. In Karma Kanda, also you are following the Vedic injunction. But in Karma Kanda, you are bonded, but in Karma Yoga, you are becoming free. 
this is the difference and this is exactly the subject matter of this particular third chapter karma yoga we are interested to know what is this karma yoga and how by performing an action we can actually become free now why we need to become free because the more you become free from the reactions of your previous karma or the existing karma the more joyful you become please understand the lesser the karma the lesser the reactions and anarthas the more joyful and more happy you become so that is why karma yoga is extremely important if you know that by performing certain action you are not going to get bound bound oh so nice it is why because you will become more and more happy right so this is karma yoga and we are going to discuss nishkama karma yoga and how to perform action in a way where you will not be bound so that krishna will explain very beautifully in this chapter and above karma yoga in this yoga ladder is the jnana yoga the rung of jnana yoga and what is jnana yoga jnana yoga is as you are performing karma yoga that karma yoga should lead to acquiring lots of knowledge knowledge about the self knowledge about the brahman the culmination the culmination of jnana yoga is brahman realization i have explained this in the previous uh, sessions also that the absolute truth can be understood in three ways brahman realization parmatma realization and bhagwan realization so god can be understood in three ways brahman parmatma and bhagwan and brahman realization is the lowest realization above that is parmatma realization and above that is bhagwan realization the topmost is bhagwan realization so gnana yoga can lead up till the realization of brahman and many people understand acquiring knowledge jnani jnani through the jnana they acquire and through that jnana they come to know that oh i am the spirit soul so that is extremely important and then when you understand a lot of knowledge the next rung above jnani yoga is the ashtanga yoga and krishna is going to explain ashtanga yoga in detail in the 6th chapter of the bhagavad gita and we will really understand what are the uh, ways in which we can perform ashtanga yoga what are the benefits of ashtanga yoga and all these things in the 6th chapter where a gnana yogi when a person acquires a lot of gnana he is going to use that gnana to focus on the parmatma have you seen a torch sometime you know a torch it has that focusing lens in the front you know when you switch on the that torch the light is spread everywhere but when you turn the lens in the front the light will focus on a certain thing the light will get focused very nicely so same thing will happen in ashtanga yoga all the gnana the gnana yogi has acquired the process of ashtanga yoga will act like a lens and focus his gnana on to the parmatma that focusing of gnana is nothing but ashtanga yoga okay so then when a person 
a yogi, ashtang yogi, is become perfecting his yoga process, and his highest realization will now lead to the next and the topmost rung of the yoga ladder, and that is the bhakti yoga. And bhakti yoga means the realization of the Bhagavan. Ashtanga Yoga is the realization of Paramatma. Jnana Yoga is the realization of the Brahman. So now Ashtanga Yogi, when he becomes perfect, he develops a relationship with Bhagavan and that is Bhakti Yoga. Bhakti Yoga means relationship. And relationship brings the bliss in our spiritual life. Relationship with God will bring the topmost happiness in our life. And this is the final essence of the Bhagavad Gita. Please understand, although Krishna has explained Karma Yoga, Jnana Yoga, Sangha Yoga, but the ultimate message of the Bhagavad Gita is, O Arjuna and all you suffering living entities, Please understand that you have a relationship with me. Krishna is explaining. The ultimate message of Krishna is you all are connected with me and you have a relationship with me. So that development of relationship is through the process of Bhakti Yoga. Right? So we should not miss out any of these things. Although we may read a certain section, Karma Yoga, Jnana Yoga, but we should know that ultimately it is all leading to Bhakti Yoga. And that is why Srila Prabhupada, no matter which chapter it is, he is constantly touching upon this Bhakti Yoga because that is the essence. Okay? So I hope you are now clear with this yoga ladder. You know where we are heading towards. We know that this is how the progress will happen uh, in our journey of studying the Bhagavad Gita. So today, uh, with this, I just wanted to uh, give a brief about this yoga ladder and Arjuna's questions and confusions that he has raised uh, in the chapter 3. I open up now for question and, question and answers and if you have any questions, please feel free to do so. I think that should be very nice because uh, we are discussing Karma Yoga and it's important that we uh, have some nice questions. Prabhuji, I wanted to actually ask you, it sounds a little odd, but I have never understood completely the meaning of bhakti. Okay. Can you please explain? Yes. Uh, it's a very nice question, Mataji. And uh, in fact, it is not an odd question. Because why it is not odd is because we have a very strong relationship with Krishna. So what is Bhakti? Bhakti means you have an unconditional love towards someone. There are many people who say that they are Deshbhakti. Deshbhakti means what? They have an unconditional love for their nation. So they are ready to give up every single pleasure of their own for the satisfaction and for the ultimate benefit of the nation and that's what our soldiers are doing why because they have that utmost devotion for the nation and they will give up their life 
in spite of the inconvenience of giving up their own life right so there is a bhakti in that so what happens in bhakti is bhakti is an act i repeat that again bhakti is action but action is what for the pleasure of the supreme lord that is bhakti yoga when you perform action for the pleasure of supreme lord that is bhakti but the same action when you perform for your own sense gratification that is not bhakti like many people many children uh, when we have children parents have bhakti towards their children bhakti means what they do unconditional service unconditional service towards their children they don't expect anything from their children that is out of love Although in this material world there is always some tinge of mayana, uh, uh, there is always tinge of certain expectations and desires. It is not completely pure bhakti. But when it comes to the supreme Lord, we need to develop that intense plus unconditional love towards Him. That is what is bhakti. Bhakti means performing action, but for His pleasure, without any self-motivated. ideas that is bhakti and how to perform this bhakti there is a very beautiful book called bhakti rasamrita sindhu written by rupa goswami so he explains the details of bhakti how to perform bhakti how do we get connected with the supreme lord how do we have how do we have a relationship with that lord all these are different traits of bhakti So now, just for example, there is a relationship that you are uh, having with your children, your husband, your other family members. You know, there is lot of relationships. So similar kind of relationships we can now develop with the devotees of the Lord and the Supreme Lord. So when we have such devotion, this relationship, and we are performing actions with reciprocation. This is called bhakti. Bhakti is unmotivated love, unmotivated love, and unmotivated action. Yes. If there is any further question, please feel free to ask me. Fine. Okay. We will definitely uh, elaborate on this bhakti as we go forward because in Sankhya Yoga also there are a lot of things that Krishna is going to speak about bhakti. and uh, like i told uh, in the earlier session that bhagavad gita has 18 chapters the first six chapters are dealing with different types of yoga karma yoga gnana yoga and ashtanga yoga and the middle six chapters are all about bhakti yoga from chapter 7 to chapter 12 it's all about bhakti yoga and from chapter 13 to chapter 18 it's again the description of the nature of this world the three gunas and uh, certain do's and don'ts and all those things so the middle six chapters of the bhagavad gita is exclusively talking about bhakti yoga so there we are going to go into details of bhakti yoga and understand more in detail about bhakti yoga okay Uh, I also see there is Vijay Vittal. I think this is the first time that you are joining our session. 
Thank you so much for joining Vijay and we really welcome you for this uh, uh, Bhagavad Gita study circle. So let me take some more questions here on uh, chat section. Chaitanya is asking, is Garuda Purana also connected to Karma Yoga? Okay. Yes, in a way we can say that Garuda Purana also talks about Karma Yoga because Garuda Purana is talking about certain rituals. Basically, although that is the intention of Krishna, see, Garuda is the greatest devotee and Krishna is one who is speaking to Garuda there. So just like in Bhagavad Gita, Krishna is speaking to Arjuna. In Garuda, Garuda Purana, Krishna is speaking to Garuda. And there, Garuda is asking another set of questions. And again, Garuda is asking all these questions for the benefit of all our uh, humankind, human race. And especially Garuda Purana deals with questions of Garuda with respect to the Shraddha, the Shraddha ceremony, the Shraddha rituals, what happens to the soul after death and what happens, what are the different types of reactions and actions that the soul performs. All these different things are explained in the uh, Garuda Purana. Now, is it Karma Yoga? It is actually both. It is Karma Kanda. At the same time, it is Karma Yoga because there are certain principles where Krishna is, there are three sections in Garuda Purana. And one section clearly talks about again Karma Yoga. So, Guruja Purana also, in fact, all the scriptures, if you carefully look at them, they are always pointing towards Karma Yoga. They are always pointing towards Bhakti Yoga. So, that is the ultimate message of all the Puranas. Although they talk about everything, but the essence is this Bhakti Yoga. Okay, so Guruja Purana also talks about Karma Yoga. Yes. So Dev is asking, Prabhuji, can you give me an example of Karma Yoga? So Karma Yoga means, for example, when you are eating every day, okay, but instead of directly eating, you like something like, okay, I want paneer butter masala today and uh, you want to eat it, but then instead of directly cooking it for yourself and eat it, when you offer it to a certain Devata or you offer it to the Supreme Lord, then it becomes Karma Yoga or Bhakti Yoga. When you offer it to Devatas, maybe Ganapati or any other Devata, it is Karma Yoga. In a way it is, yes, you are following the injunctions of the uh, Vedas. At the same time, it is not bonding as much as you would have directly eaten it. But when you offer it to Krishna, now it is Karma Yoga because there is no reaction. It is Prasadam. It is not simply uh, Paneer Butter Masala. It is now Paneer Butter Masala Prasadam. So when you eat Prasadam, then it is free from any reaction. This Karma Yoga is also called as Akarma. Akarma means not action, not inaction. It also means that action which has no reaction. I repeat that again. That action which has no reaction is called a karma. This principle 
is not known or was not known to Newton. Newton only knew that every action has an equal and opposite reaction. But he unfortunately doesn't know this principle of akarma. Akarma means you perform an action but there is no reaction to it. And this is what we do. So this is a very beautiful example where on a day-to-day -day basis when you are actually eating but you offer it to Krishna then that becomes karma yoga for you. So you are cooking for the pleasure of Krishna. You are eating also for the pleasure of Krishna. Not just to satisfy your tongue but actually by eating I will gain strength and with that strength I am going to do devotional service. So then your purpose of eating is not simply pleasure but purpose of eating is to serve Krishna. So that becomes karma yoga. You see? So I hope that answers your question. And uh, Dev is asking another question. Also, after this Kartik month, can we continue to sing Damodarashtakam or there is something else we can do before lighting a Tiyah? Now, generally this whole Damodarashtakam is sung during this Damodara month, Kartik month. Uh, there is no harm in singing this Damodarashtakam all throughout the year. You can do so. But, you can also learn a lot of new songs and devotional songs and Vaishnava songs and certain specific mantras. So good that you reminded me about this and I will share a very interesting uh, Narsimha Kavacham with all of you. So that will also help. You can all learn Narsimha Kavacham. Narsimha Kavacham is extremely powerful and I chant that every day. So you can learn Narsimha Kavacham. I am going to send the text as well as I'm going to send you the audio file, okay? So that way you can listen to it, you can start reading and within a month you can easily buy heart, you can actually memorize it. So, and you don't need the sheet as well. So generally even when I'm traveling and I go to different places, I chant this Natsima Kavachan for protection, not just for protection, also for devotion. So like that you can learn the prayers of Prahlad Maharaj, Dhruva Maharaj, and there are many other specific mantras which are explained. So I will share all those things going forward. So you can practice all these different mantras. Now I am sure by singing Damodrashtakam all throughout this month, you may have actually memorized the Damodrashtakam, right? So similarly you can memorize other things as well. In fact, why not the shlokas of the Bhagavad Gita? Right? You can actually start listening to the shlokas and start memorizing the shlokas of the Bhagavad Gita. Okay, so please do so, that will be really, very really nice. And then uh, Chaitanya is asking, Prabhu, they say uh, serving mankind is serving God. How much true it is? Is it the same as serving Lord Krishna? Yes, many people say, Manav Seva hi Madhav Seva hai. In Kannada they say Jana Seva ne Janardana Seva. So you just take care of the human beings, be human, being human. You help people, you serve people, and by serving people, especially the poor people, that is as good as serving God. But that is not true, and that is not what Krishna says. See, when we talk about Bhakti Yoga, we are talking about an exclusive relationship with Krishna. It is not that by serving human beings we will develop 
love for Krishna. No, that is not possible. Because how many human beings can we love and serve? We have our limitations, right? There are so many human beings. There are so many living entities. It's not possible to serve each and every poor person, needy person and love all of them. Not possible. But on the contrary, the scriptures say that when we develop love for Krishna and when we start serving Krishna, you actually serve the rest of the humankind, the rest of all the living entities. How? It's a very nice example. Okay, let me tell you this. Just like when you take water and you want to take care of the plant, will you pour the water to all the individual leaves and branches? No, it is impractical, right? You will not go and water each leaf and each branch of the tree. It is not possible. Instead, what you do is you take the water and you pour it to the roots. So when you give the water to the roots, the water is spread across the trees. The roots will share the water to the whole tree and that's how the tree will get nourished. So similarly, when we also serve the Supreme Lord, when we serve the Lord Krishna, you are actually serving the rest of the mankind and all the other living entities. Please understand this. You don't have to individually go and serve every person on this planet which is impossible and impractical. Right? So that is why serving Krishna becomes so integral part. You just by serving Krishna, you will actually serve the rest of the people. And there are practical ways of doing it which we will definitely discuss going forward. That how by serving Krishna, everything in this world becomes very satisfied. In fact, in the Karma Yoga, in this very chapter, Krishna is going to explain a certain aspect of how by doing Yajna and uh, having the Yajna Phala, the Yajna Shishta, we become free from all these different types of misconceptions. And we will be serving everybody. Everybody will be very happy. So, we have to perform Yajna. So, definitely, it is not uh, Manav Seva is Madhav Seva, but Madhav Seva is definitely Manav Seva. We will understand this time. So, it is not by serving human beings, you are serving God. It is a misconception. But we should respect each and every living entity. Not just human beings, we should respect every living entity because every living entity is a spiritual spark, part and parcel of the Supreme Lord. So we should give due respect to each one of them. So there is no doubt about it. But you cannot serve them. It's not that you go and serve a dog. Oh, come on, I will serve you and do puja for a dog. No, that is not right. You need to give due respect to everyone. But not that you give them uh, respect like a God. No, that is not acceptable. Okay, so hope that answers your question, uh, Chaitanya. And Jina Mataji is asking, Prabhuji, it is simple to understand that eating non-veg has a reaction, but is it true that eating even vegetarian food has reaction? Absolutely. Because even the plants are actually living entities. Although the plants cannot express their emotions, but these days there is a research done by scientists where they have found that even plants interact, they communicate with other plants and they also exhibit a lot of emotions. You see? 
so it is a very clear indication that plants are also living entities and when we obstruct their progress in their journey of evolution we are actually obstructing and creating a bad karma for us so now what do we do i mean i cannot we cannot eat non vegetarian food then are we not supposed to eat vegetarian food also so that is why krishna is saying that it is a minimum sin cycle although there is a sustain but it's a minimum sin cycle like earlier i had given this example when you are driving a car and in front of the car suddenly a dog comes and at the same time there is also a ant right below the tire so now will you think that oh should i now save the dog or should i save the ant yes obviously our first intention will be to save the dog we will not even care of the small insect or the ant on the street we want to try to save the dog why because the dog is more developed than the small ant although it is living entity but it's a minimum sin cycle why it is minimum sin cycle when you kill a animal which has developed higher consciousness the more the sin but if you kill a certain living entity of lower consciousness the sin is minimal although there is sin but it is minimal so plants have lower consciousness so when you kill them there is minimum sin cycle but we are talking about free from all the reactions so that is why krishna is saying patram pushpam phalam toyam krishna is saying that you offer me the vegetarian food water a leaf a flower and i will accept it when you offer it with love and devotion so because krishna has told patram pushpam phalam toyam we are going to offer him which is vegetarian food if krishna had told uh if you offer me meat all this non vegetarian food then we probably would have actually even offered non vegetarian but krishna is not asking for non vegetarian food he is asking for vegetarian food by the way krishna can eat vegetarian and not non vegetarian krishna is free from all these karmic things but for our progress in spiritual life for our freedom from karma and karmic reactions krishna is saying you offer me vegetarian food and by eating vegetarian food which is prasadam you will become free from all the reactions by eating vegetarian food which is offered to me i will take away all the karma from that and you can actually become free from the reaction of killing the plants so this is how krishna has explained for us so shastra says jeeva jeevasya jeevanah one living entity has to sustain on another living entity for its existence so we have to depend on something to eat right so eat and kill animals which has minimum sin and plus when you offer it to krishna you are free from all the reactions so hope that answers your question so chaitanya is asking another question and vijay vittal if you also have any questions please feel free to ask so uh, it will be very nice Chaitanya is asking how to convert fear towards God to love towards God. Wow, this is right. Yeah, many people have fear for God, but they have not actually understood uh, the principle of love towards God. And uh, many people think that God means 
is like a strict master he's like a policeman who is constantly looking for all of our wrong actions and moment we perform wrong karma bad karma this police person the supreme god will come and punish us so this kind of idea people have and uh, in mostly the Abraham, abrahamic religions uh, this kind of concept is very much instilled they say that you know if you don't do this particular thing then god will push you into the hell and for eternity you will suffer in the hell so no that concept is not there in uh, our sanatan dharma where the scriptures do not explain anything like eternity within this material world whether it is hell or heaven there is uh, no eternal life in hell or no eternal life in heaven eternal life is only in the spiritual world so because of this kind of uh, ideas people develop fears oh i have to suffer constantly after death i have performed so many actions reactions all this bad karma is going to come and hit me and i will suffer there in fact uh, my wife aradhana uh, she had met one of her uh, colleague or one of her friends uh, in us when she was going to a church to give some talks so there was one this uh, friend of hers called tracy so she had this uh, fear that oh i have performed so much of wrong things i take drugs and so many things and i may have to suffer for eternity in the hell lot of fear was there and then when she gave a talk uh, in the church that talk was such a great relief for this lady because she thought oh that means that there is no eternal life in the hell i may actually have there is a scope for me to develop myself to be a better person and actually i can get rid of all the bad reactions so the question that you have asked that people have this fear for god is because of these kind of ideas because of the suffering and the guilt feeling so that we don't have to have so there is lot of uh, opportunity and scope for us to develop uh, bhakti and become free from all the reaction now how to develop that love first thing is to know let us understand how we develop love in this material world see when a boy and a girl if they have to fall in love first is they look at each other and when they look at each other then they will start interacting by the interaction they get to know each other and when they get to know each other then there is feelings and emotions and when with that feelings and emotion finally they start loving each other right so the same process here also so right now when we see god we see god as a stranger that's why you may fear god because he is a stranger to you but when you read bhagavad gita when you attend this session what's happening is you are now getting to know god better you are understanding about god what god likes and dislikes so then what happens is you know just like in a relationship of a boy and a girl Uh, when you know that a uh, boy or a girl doesn't like something you will try to avoid that right oh she doesn't like it so let me not do it because uh, if i do this then she will be hurt and she will not like it my relationship with her may get disturbed so similarly when you understand that god does not like something 
Although God has not asked you to stop, but you will automatically stop. Why? Because now you feel you have that feeling, that emotion for God. Because now you know that He doesn't like certain things, you will avoid certain things. And gradually by doing these things, that emotions will develop and finally you will start loving Krishna. So you are already in the process of loving Krishna by attending these sessions of Bhagavad Gita. Please understand. These sessions are actually making you more and more knowledgeable about what Krishna wants. Krishna is going to reveal his heart in the Bhagavad Gita. It is Krishna's words, not just words. Krishna is pouring out his emotions and intentions. It is his love for us that is speaking with Bhagavad Gita. And when you understand that yes, behind this philosophical topic, there is that beautiful emotion of Krishna, Krishna will reciprocate and we will develop Krishna's love for Krishna. Right? So, hope this will really uh, give you an idea of how to develop love for Krishna. And this should be our sole purpose of practicing spirituality. That to develop love for Krishna. That's the highest thing. If you understand all the Nyaya, Tarka of Bhagavad Gita, and if we don't develop love for Krishna, what is the use? So, reading and understanding Bhagavad Gita, the ultimate purpose is to develop love for God, love for Krishna. And any religion which speaks about love of God, that is true religion. That is true religion. Prabhupada says this. If anybody teaches you how to love God and serve God, that is true religion. Because that is the constitutional position of the spirit soul. Okay? So, hope uh, that explains. And, uh, okay, so that's it for today. And Vijay Vittal, uh, since you have come for the first time, I really uh, appreciate that your presence here. And you can also share your number uh, so that I can be in touch with you and I can share the updates. Uh, we are all in the same group, so I can share you the updates of upcoming events. You can share your number if you wish to, okay? And Hinamata is asking, as a grahastha, what can we incorporate on a daily basis to start our journey towards Karma Yoga? The very first thing, Mataji, that we can do as Grihastha is offering food to the Supreme Lord. I had mentioned this earlier because cooking is a day-to-day -day activity for Grihastha, right? For everyone. So since cooking is a very integral part of Grihastha life, I think it is important that we start offering the food that is cooked by us to the Supreme Lord before we actually take it. So it's a very simple process. Let me explain this so that all of you are here. I will tell you this process of offering food, okay? When you cook for the Lord, do it in a very clean way. All the vessels should be clean. You should have taken bath. And if possible, chant one round at least before you cook. And when you cook, you can cook anything, whatever regular that you are preparing, uh, you can cook without onion and garlic. <laughs> it may be a challenge for you that, oh, <laughs> without onion and garlic, now what is this? Non-vegetarian was okay, but now you are asking not to take even onion and garlic. Yes, because onion and garlic is in the mode of passion, Rajoguna, so we avoid this onion and garlic. So, 
and food becomes really tasty. It's not that you know people have to add onion garlic to make it tasty. This is a misconception. When you go to Iskon temples and eat it in the Govinda restaurant, you will see uh, high taste restaurants. The food is amazing, and especially in Juhu temple in Mumbai, there is this nice Govinda. Uh, they have this uh, nice uh, buffet there. It is so amazing. I mean, you really don't make, cannot make out the difference. So onion and garlic is something that you have to avoid while cooking. So then, when you prepare, you can have a separate plate for uh, Krishna. You can have a nice bowl and plate a little bit, a nice uh, water glass. So you uh, arrange all these things, food items like rice, dal, chawal, and everything else. When you cook and you put a tulsi leaf in each one of these items that you have prepared, and tulsi leaf is must because Krishna does not accept anything without tulsi leaf. So you have to add tulsi leaf in each of the items and then offer it, keep it in front of Krishna. When you keep it in front of Krishna, there are three prayers that we are already chanting in the invocation. The very first prayer is Nama Om Vishnu Padaya Krishna Prishtaya Bhutale Srimate Bhakti Vedanta Swaminiti Namine Namaste Saraswate Deve Gaudavani Pracharine Nirvishesha Srinivadi Pascha Sutesharine. This mantra is a Guru Mantra which we need to chant for three times. Okay? So this has to be chanted three times with ringing the bell. You are ringing the bell and you are chanting. Then you chant the next mantra that is the Namo Mahavata Nyaya Krishna Prema Pradayate Krishnaya Krishna Chaitanya Namne Gaurat Vishena Maha Three times again. Then you are offering another prayer with ringing the bell Namo Brahmanya Devaya Gobrahmanahitaya Jagadditaya Krishnaya Govindaya Namo Namaha See, these three mantras we are already chanting, we are already aware, I will also share with you. So three times, three times, three times. So what's happening is, when you take the food you have prepared, you first offer it to Prabhupada, you offer it to the Guru. Now Guru will offer it to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in turn will offer it to Krishna. So this is the parampara that we follow. So, when Krishna nicely partakes and he enjoys it for 5 minutes or 10 minutes that you keep then again you go back after 5-10 minutes you ring the bell and chant the Guru Mantra once Nama Om Vishnu Padaya once and then once Hare Krishna Mantra Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare with ringing the bell and then the offering process is over now you can bring the plate back and you can take each of the item and put it in the main uh, cooking vessel that you had put, you had cooked. So put all the items individually, rice in rice, dal in dal, and everything will get mixed and water can go in another separate container. Okay? Then take the plate of Krishna and if you have time you can wash them immediately or at least pour some water in the plates and the bowls. Once you pour water in the bowls and everything, then you can take prasadam. Now all this process will take just about 15 minutes and additional time. So if you are taking your breakfast at say about 8 o'clock, if you are taking regularly your breakfast at 8 o'clock, you can pre-plan in a way where your cooking and everything will get over by 7.45. So 7.45 you are offering to the Lord and in 10-15 minutes it's all done. At 8 o'clock you are still getting the food. 
so it's all about planning so as grahasthas this is a very very important aspect eating prasadam every single day what an amazing thing so now what's happening is by eating prasadam your consciousness is getting purified more and more more and more so please do follow this it's very very important aspect and it is practical devotional service uh, and it creates a very beautiful atmosphere in the home because everybody then will start having prasadam it will purify our consciousness so this one activity of cooking definitely we should do and apart from that regular chanting our fixed number of rounds whatever commitment you have taken chant that many rounds either two rounds or four rounds or 16 rounds as per your time and convenience and reading prabhupad's book yesterday we had a very elaborate discussion on reading prabhupad books so please read prabhupad books bhagavad gita bhagavatam small small books also you can please read that will be very very nice okay so yes so mataji has this uh, higher taste book that's a very nice beautiful book written by yamuna mataji one of the first disciples of shrila prabhupad so please read that book the higher taste is very beautiful and jetan is asking we avoided garlic and onion from last 6 months and i personally felt i am able to focus on things much better prabhu exactly very true you will see that when you avoid onion garlic you will become very clear your consciousness becomes clear so please avoid onion and garlic it's a humble request okay so i think with this uh, we come to uh, end of this session today i hope this is uh, uh, this session has helped you and uh, we will definitely take more questions going forward and keep your questions ready keep thinking about uh, all this uh, discussions throughout the week so that uh, we make it more interactive every sunday so let's have a lot of question and keep going forward okay so that's it for today then thank you so much for joining once again take care hari krishna